And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I love the Raiders, and most of all, I love to win. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up, and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, Ted Nguyen. Ready to talk about the 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders. They went to Pittsburgh. We all doubted them, and uh, they got it done. 26-17, an impressive road victory. Great game from Derek Carr. Great game from Henry Ruggs. Uh, The defense really showed out today. Uh, Solomon Thomas, two sacks. Uh, Trayvon Mullen had an interception. Really just, I mean, start to finish, pretty much an impressive performance uh, from this team on a short week on the road in Pittsburgh against a very good defense. Obviously, we're helped a little bit by T.J. Watt getting injured, but take nothing away from him. This was an impressive win, and they get to 2-0 with two wins over I mean, over teams that you typically see at the end of the season in the, in the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. I think I'll take like half credit for this one because I picked them in the experts column, and then I changed my mind once all the injuries started rolling in. <laughs> so I'll pull a Vic from last week. I'll give myself half credit. I don't know. It was a bit of a shaky pick, Sean. It was, it was a little shaky. Hey, it still counts. But but yeah, the defense, <laughs> I think from start to finish, they played a pretty great game. The, the offense kind of for the second week of the row, you know, even though they were able to move the ball pretty well, they, they kind of struggled to finish drives and, and uh, maximize, you know, the amount of points they can get out of each drive. But they really started clicking there in, in the second half. And that's what ultimately led them, you know, to pull away with the game and then. And so pretty much back-to-back weeks are kind of following that script. I mean, I'm sure they want to get off to – quicker starts and jump out the leads to begin games, but the end result is, you know, a win is a win. And so, um, as you said, you know, this kind of the way their schedule is set up, the beginning and the ends are kind of the, the toughest junctures and, you know, don't want to overreact too much because they did start out 2-0 and last year as well. But I just feels like this year is a little bit different when you, when you consider how the defense is playing, um, the quality of opponent that they went up against and then all the injuries that they were dealing with. Yeah, I thought they were the best team today from wire to wire. I think that's despite, you know, being a short week on the road, no Josh Jacobs, one of their best players. They couldn't run the ball at all. But uh, the defense set the tone early. I think the offense kind of picked it up late. But, um, yeah, tip your cap to Derek Carr. And again, three-fifths of the O-line not playing. They couldn't run the ball against a pretty good pass rush, and he definitely uh, made plays when he had to. And uh, just a very impressive win, a very impressive 2-0 start. I never would have guessed it would be 2-0 at this point with the schedule and with the injuries. But um, you got to give John Gruden and his staff a lot of credit. How strange is it to see the Raiders with a – actual competent defense like these guys know where to line up their pass rush is showing up given they've played two offensive lines that are below average in pass blocking but 
they're relentless. You know, like every third down, they're they're in the quarterback's faces. They're not giving up easy opportunities to any of these offenses. And I don't know how they're going to look against a better offense, but they're doing what they're supposed to against teams that are struggling offensively. And, you know, you couldn't say that in the past, you know, like last year or the year before this, the Pittsburgh Steelers could have scored 30 points and, you know, you wouldn't bat an eye, but they're playing good this year. So hats off to Gus Bradley for really making an impact quickly on this this defense. And the great words of Ted Wynn, this Raiders defense is a defense. Uh, It's funny, as simple as a statement as it is, it really is true. I mean, we have not seen this team be capable of consistently getting stops. You know, they might, okay, they got to stop here and there. Every defense does that. But you've never been in a position, as long as I've been following this team, you go into a situation, a game, you're like, I, you know, I think, okay, the defense get, can make some stops here. They can, they can kind of turn this game around. And Max Crosby, I think another really good game, you know, doesn't have a sack in this one, but you know, he and unique and Gakwe got pressure on that, uh, on big Ben on that pass that got intercepted by Trayvon Mullen. They just created problems for, uh, for the Steelers offense. Yeah. And I was with, you know, unique and Gakwe, you know, even though he played and he played a good amount of snaps, but he, he was, you know, still hampered by the hamstring injury and, and didn't play as many snaps as he did the week before, even though he, he left that game early. You know, they still were able to generate a pretty consistent pass rush and get after Big Ben. Um, you know, they only had two sacks, but, you know, those pressures and, and they had 10 quarterback hits and, you know, that interception to Trayvon Mullen, for example, uh, you know, largely was because, you know, Ngakwe got close and then Crosby hit him as he threw and then the ball just kind of sailed right towards Mullen. And so, we kind of saw that that combo of the pass rush and the secondary working together. I think in both of these games, but but really today, and um, you know, even though they didn't have as many sacks as before, I think they were you know just about as effective as they were in week one from a pass rush perspective. And who'd have thought of all the linebackers we talked about in the preseason that the guy after two weeks would be the kind of the leading force? Be Denzel Perryman. He's playing most of the snaps. He's in coverage, making plays in the run defense, and uh, just uh, there's seven guys who have Bradley ties. He's one of them, and they've all come in played a part, and definitely I think it's why his defense is clicking because those guys know what they're doing. You get the mix of the young guys who are definitely playing better than they were last year. So it's been a real nice mix, a very aggressive mix of players, and definitely uh, you can see the difference uh, right right away in this team. I haven't studied a bunch of Chargers defense when they aren't playing the Raiders, but every time I've seen Perriman, I always left impressed. Like He's not a superstar guy, but he makes plays. He's very physical. He knows the defense. He's rarely ever out of position. And that's pretty valuable in this defense, especially with the the injuries they're dealing with. And it's pretty interesting to see how a lot of the young Raiders players that we wanted to see take a step up are all of a sudden, you know, playing a lot better in this defense. You see Trayvon Mullen making plays. Um, You know, Abram is not making those big mistakes that he was making last year and the year before. And he's still hitting guys hard and making his presence felt out there. Darius Phylon, I thought, played really well. You know, I, I don't know what his num- final numbers were. I know Solomon, Tom- Solomon Thomas was the guy who finished with the two sacks. But I thought Darius Phylon was really disruptive inside. So uh, a lot of good signs for the Raiders. And, um, yeah, this, this pass rush is uh, just relentless. I mean, it's one of the best ones in NFLs that, that I've seen so far. But, again, you know, they played kind of mediocre offensive lines. But it, it's just good to see that they're capable of this type of performance. You know, Casey Hayward, I thought, had a nice game. He had two pass defense. You know, Damon Arnett had one nice play. He also did have uh, the, the play against uh, Chase Claypool where, you know, gave up the pass and then kind of had the mistake of not touching him down. Um, but, I mean, you got to get him out there and get experience and see if he can kind of grow. But, uh, I mean, Hayward, 
nice veteran presence out there for them. And, uh, and I thought he showed up really well in this one. You know, and then you look at that defensive line. We talked about Crosby looking at the numbers, five quarterback hits for Crosby. Uh, Thomas had three quarterback hits, obviously had the two sacks. Quentin Jefferson, uh, another one of the guys that they added, uh, he had a couple quarterback hits today. So um, can make such a big difference on this team if suddenly they have guys on the interior. And we've talked for years, they need to find guys on the interior that can bring interior pressure. If they've got guys like Thomas and Jefferson being able to bring some interior pressure, uh, that could just completely change this pass rush. Yeah, Jefferson and Crosby had a real big hit on Big Ben. They kind of, you can definitely tell, left the bruise probably, and I think it was, it was affected him the rest of the game. But um, the whole defense was hitting pretty hard. I mean, John Gruden mentioned it was kind of the days of George Atkinson and Jack Tatum, so definitely he was proud. And I'm sure a lot of Raider fans and former Raider players loved the, the attitude and the violence that came today on defense. So, uh, again, can't say enough of the defense. Defense that came in, set the tone early, and kind of like everything else kind of followed through. You know, obviously we can't not talk about Derek Carr, um, scary at one point. I mean, you see him get rolled up on the same ankle that he broke back in 2016. And, you know, if you listen to him on the, on the post game interview, uh, on the TV side, he said it kind of felt like that. He was immediately kind of nervous about it. He, it felt a lot like when he got hurt last time, but, uh, his immediate concern was, Hey, did Foster Moreau catch the ball? He did. They got the touchdown. He was able to get up and positive sign. Once we saw him walking off the field, immediately ruled probable to return, I think he hinted that it'll probably be wrapped up uh, later in the week. We'll see how, you know, how the plane ride, how the swelling kind of goes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's he's not going to be 100% for a, a little while there. But John Gruden talked on Friday about how, you know, when he's talking about Ngonkwe, about how much he loves guys that are just tough and are able to tough through things. We all know Derek Carr. And he, you can say whatever you want about him, but the guy is, is tough and he always fights through those kind of things. You know, with him in week one, you know, he had that rocky start, but. I think the thing that was pretty consistent throughout that game and then carried over in his game was his aggressiveness. Um, and that's, you know, before and after the injury. I mean, he's just, he's been unrelenting in his you know, willingness to push the ball down the field, which was obviously, you know, a big criticism that, that many had of him, you know, being too willing to check the ball down and kind of take the easy option. But I mean, in this game, he averaged 10.3 yards per attempt. And the big difference was he was a lot more accurate. You know, he completed over 75% of his passes after being in the 60s last week. And so, um, he was kind of hitting those big plays and doing so without having too many misses. He didn't turn the ball over. I know they had a couple couple fumbles early on. But, yeah, I think it was kind of like overall, you know, ideally what a fan would want out of Derek Carr in the game. Obviously, you know, the injury scared aside. I mean, he almost hit 400 yards. Uh, he took a lot of deep shots. He was efficient, took care of the football. He was accurate. So, I mean, I mean you couldn't really ask for much more out of him this game. I was going to say in the past, you know, the knock on Derek was if uh, the old line isn't strong, he'll also suffer. He'll be kind of less – Courageous in the pocket, won't make well, many rush plays, won't let plays you know go all the way to their full progression. But that's not been the case. They've had a lot of injuries in the offensive line, but two tough defenses. He's been great. I think he's been better than Lamar Jackson and Big Ben the first two games. I'm gonna start calling him uh, Derek. Cut the check, Carr. It's time to pay him. He wants his money. Let's go. If he plays like this throughout the season, you got to start the the. Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback conversation because what he's doing is pretty incredible because like you said, you know, in the past, if his offensive line wasn't playing well, you know, he'd be in the tank too, but his offensive line has been banged up. He's seen a lot of pressure, but he's still holding on to the ball, waiting for his guys to get open. Henry Ruggs touchdown was a great example of it because it's actually, that concept was, uh, it's, it's called arches and it's designed to be a short pass, you know, maybe five to 10 yards to Hunter Renfro. And Hunter Renfro was open to that play, but he 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 knew the Pittsburgh defense was being aggressive. He knew he would have a one-on-one opportunity, so he actually pump faked to Darren Waller and then threw it over the top 
to Henry Ruggs, even though he had Renfro open underneath. So that's just a good example of the different mindset that he's taking this year. And, and you know, it's, it's really benefiting the Raiders offense that he, he's willing to push the ball downfield. You look situationally at that play. They're up to 16-14, uh, just under 10 minutes to go, fourth quarter, third and 10. That's a huge play. Um, you know, a lot of times you, what you're thinking is, yeah, third and Renfo, right? You want to get that underneath completion, move the chains to be able to connect on that. And obviously, you know, huge, huge play for rugs. I mean, that's why you know, Gruden said it. That's why they drafted him. And it was nice to see them get rugs involved more. Seven targets today. That's a career high. Five catches, that's a career high. He never had more than three in a game last season. Uh, never was targeted more than five times in a game last season. So it was nice that they they kind of they threw him some short routes to get, get him involved early. And then, you know, that's what you set up. You try to set up plays like that because the reason you have rugs is to hit those deep shots. Dirk mentioned, like, the confidence factor, like you said. I mean, he's shown the past. The more confidence he has in the receiver, the more it go to him. I think that today he said that was definitely a thing he's – he has now the rugs through practice, repetitions, throwing the deep ball past the coverage, making rugs go run and get it, and he has been able to do that. So I think the more confidence he has in rugs, the more he'll take chances, the more he'll go to one, which is pretty exciting for Raider fans who want to see uh, the offense of the old days, the deep ball and all that good stuff that Mark Davis and John Green love so much. Unfortunately, I had rugs sitting on my bench on my fantasy team, and uh, nobody cares about nobody your cares about your fantasy team. team. I could have really, I could have really used those points, but you know it's all good. Who cares? Oh, oh, good come on! Oh. <laughs> you guys are haters. You know, even though he didn't have as big of a game in the first game, it did seem like they were targeting him more on some of the you know the shorter routes. They, did, they didn't always hit. Like I said, Carr had a, an accurate week in, in week one, but. Um, it seems like they are you know, trying to get him more involved in offense outside of just taking those chunk shots. Because we did see some of those deep shots last year, as, as Gruden mentioned, against the Chiefs and obviously the Jets game. But it was kind of like that was either you – know, he was either getting that or he wasn't getting anything, right? And so I think, like I said, with him getting seven targets, career high tonight, from week to week, this needs to be a thing. You know, He might not have a 60-yard touchdown every week, but uh, there's no reason why you can't get him involved with some of those short and more inter- intermediate passes. And Derek also mentioned on that play where he uh, T.J. Watt knocked the ball out of his hands that he was going to go to, to Ruggs. Like, Ruggs is open. That's where he's going to throw the ball in about two more seconds that he didn't have. They had a decoy with Waller again, and Ruggs is breaking free. So I don't know if that's true or not. If you watch the, Ted can tell me when he watches the film, but apparently Ruggs could have an even bigger day today if that happened. I'm sure Carr had it pointed out to him several times that uh, that play on the first drive from uh, last week where uh, if he had gone Ruggs' way, Ruggs was uh, going to have, I don't know, a 70, 80-yard touchdown. Uh, so I, I would imagine, you know, obviously those things are get, get reviewed in film. You know, even if a play is a 15, 10-yard, 20-yard gain, you know, they look at that stuff. They look at what play did I miss, and quarterbacks will, will get on themselves and like, okay, I got a 15-yard gain. In that case, I think it was a 9-yard gain to Ingold, but – missing the 70 yard touchdown is, is worse. I appreciate kind of Ruggs's honesty when Vic, you asked him like, what, what's that like catching a pass like that? And what he told you was, well, I'm just running. And all I'm thinking is don't drop it. It's kind of funny, but uh, you know, it's, it's, that is the, the thing you, I guess you, you the first thing you got to think of is, is don't screw this up. And that's so much that kind of get there. Obviously he knew he can get there with that like, kind of speed. It was like, I'll chase it down. But when I get there, make sure you secure it in the ball. It's kind of a, Kind of at the end was a little wobbly there when he brought it in, but uh, yeah, just a great play. It just shows you his, you know, his confidence is growing. And he mentioned, uh, like John mentioned, last year he won those two games and in the winner, but he made big plays in KC, also in New York. So it's always been a part of their offense. He's going to make it a bigger part of the offense uh, this season. 
even if those don't hit, taking at least one or two of those shots a game, you know, that could be a pass interference, could be, you know, it could just set something up. You know, and the one of the other things that Ruggs did that impressed me was an earlier catch he had, I don't know, maybe it was 15, 20 yards, but where he actually broke a tackle. That's one of the things that he worked on in the offseason, right? Deshaun was trying to add strength because he needs to he needs to play with more strength. You know, he needs to be able to get off press coverage. And so for me to see him catch an intermediate pass and break a tackle and, and run a little bit afterwards, that was maybe as encouraging as catching that big play. Yeah, and that's, you know, kind of the hope for, for Rugs is that you can hit him maybe on a slant or a screen and he can use that speed not only to get open down the field, but also to turn those short gains into chunk gains, you know, 20, 30 yards. And so, you know, we haven't, Seen that consistently for him, but you know, coming into this this offseason, I think he's up to almost around 200 pounds now. Um, and, you know, you can see that he's playing stronger and creating separation a little more easily. But um, I think that's kind of the next step for him is you know getting more of those plays where it's more so like get the ball to rugs and, and let him work more so than it being you know him just breaking free from a defender down the field. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know when they drafted rugs, they said they wanted the next Tyreek Hill, and that, that touchdown was kind of an example of what. Uh, the Chiefs do with uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, where they isolate Kelsey on one side, and then they have Hill on the other, other side running a crosser. So if you double Kelsey, you're going to have a one-on-one with uh, Ruggs on the other side. And if you have that weak side safety poach Ruggs on the other side, then you're going to have Darren Waller one-on-one, and he could run all underneath routes and choice routes and that sort of deal. So, you know, I, I would want to see a lot more of that. I want to see Ruggs lined up on the other side running more crossing routes. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, the deep, deep post. It could just be a crosser where he, he gets across the field and catches the ball in the intermediate part of the field and maybe run after the catch. Everybody wants C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. Ah, see, John Gruden, he's never wrong. You're never wrong. He knows, what, he knows what he's doing at all times. Don't question. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It was nice today to see the the balance distribution. Um, Rugs, we already mentioned seven targets. Waller, we know that the Steelers they they told us earlier the week they were going to be giving him a ton of attention, and they did. But still, they targeted him seven times, five catches, sixty five yards. He had that huge uh, he had that huge catch on the final drive that really allowed them to run out the clock. Um, Renfro seven targets, five catches, fifty seven yards. Uh, Kenyon Drake, Gruden wasn't bluffing in terms of Peyton Barber being. The primary running back, I guess, he had 13 carries. Drake only had seven. But Drake, again, uh, five catches for the second straight week. He was targeted six times. Um, and then Edwards had three targets, you know, made a few big plays. And then, of course, we saw Foster Moreau get into the end zone. Um, you know, we, we made a big deal last year out of uh, all the, uh, the the snaps that he lost when uh, they brought in Jason Witten because Moreau, you know, in, what, 13, 14 games as a rookie was a really good red zone target for them, had five touchdowns. And they've got him back. 
you know, as their number two tight end, and he was able to reward them with that touchdown. And you watch him play like two, two years ago and again today. He looks like a tough cover. Looks like he's like athletic. He's big, good hands, knows how to be a smart kid. So I think he's definitely a guy who you, you can use more often than they have in the past. But definitely a big-time red zone weapon. And they have those two tight ends. And also sometimes go three tight end sets. It's definitely tough for defenses to worry about all, all three of those guys. I mean, understandably, you know, having basically three backup offensive linemen in there and being without Josh Jacobs, they couldn't run the ball very well today. And so uh, we kind of saw that quick passing game become, you know, as we talked about leading up to the game, that kind of substituted their run game. And so it's been impressive, especially kind of just another credit to Carr that um, not only is the offensive line kind of compromised, but he, you know, I mean, what did they run for maybe 50 yards today? And they still were able to move the ball pretty efficiently and uh, score a good amount of points. And so, Obviously, you don't want that to continue for the entire season, not being able to block up front and not having the run game. But the fact that they've been able to pull off these wins and kind of remain an efficient offense despite the circumstances kind of bodes well for the rest of the year. One thing uh, Foster talked about you know, when he first got here, you know, Gruden, first thing he says to him, like, hey, man, you're going to be our, our blocking tight end. And that was our impression of him, right, Vic, when they first drafted him, is that he was going to come in and, and fill that blocking tight end role hearing Foster talk about it, they didn't even view him as a guy that was really going to be a weapon in the passing game. It kind of just seemed like as his rookie year evolved that, you know, they threw, got him involved in a couple plays and, and he he did some things. And I think they are probably surprised with how good of a receiver he is. Yeah, I think they liked his hands in college. I think they saw him as possibly being a guy who can be a guy who can catch the ball in certain situations. But I think that thought that was a ways off. I think they were surprised Year one, he's able to do that much in the red zone. I saw, hey, this guy actually is a big-time weapon. We can use him that way. I think he's only growing. And he'll tell you that, you know, Jason Witten, we all, we all make fun of that, that signing, how it was bad for him. But he learned from him. He learned from a guy who was a Hall of Fame tight end. He studied, you know, how he studied and how he prepared for teams and learned some tips. So in his mind, it was a year worthwhile for him. Definitely learned a lot, and he thinks made him a better player going forward. Yeah, and Moreau will get more opportunities as the offensive line improves, if if it improves, because right now he, he doesn't get that many opportunities because he has to stay in and, and help block. He has a chip block. You know, as the offensive line does improve, he could run downfield more, and obviously if he's running downfield more, he'll get more opportunities. I think the Raiders are the best 12 personnel or tight end duo in a league with Moreau and, and Waller, and you, you saw a little bit of that. You know, he didn't have that many targets, but he made the most out of it with a really nice back, uh, back shoulder seam, and then... You know, he, he runs that corner around the end zone. So um, they could be pretty tough to deal with. I mean, it just that line needs to just keep improving so that he doesn't have to stay in and block all the time. Speaking of that line, um, Alex Leatherwood left the game, I believe, with a oblique injury. And, um, you know, he had had his struggles a little bit, uh, a couple penalties. Uh, I think, you know, the offensive line in general had a few penalties, a few too more than they would like. What's kind of the word? What's the thought on Leatherwood and that oblique? Is that that's something they're concerned about uh, going forward? Gruden didn't, didn't say too much after the game, as usual, about the injury. And so I'm sure it'll be a similar message tomorrow. So uh, it seems like probably midweek we'll get, we'll get a better sense of how severe it is or is it. But oblique injuries, anytime you have those kind of muscle injuries, uh, it kind of opens the window for there's going to be some time missed. But don't want to speculate too much just because we don't know the severity at this point. Ted, initial impressions of your guy, Brandon Parker. I didn't get to uh, really zero on it, in on him much. I thought he gave up a sack for a second. I was like, oh, crap, man. <laughs> I'm going to get crap for this. Uh, but it was actually Foster Moreau that gave up the, uh, the, the sack when he was in blocking. So uh, I'm curious to see how he looks. Uh, I mean, Leatherwood wasn't playing you know, out of this world bef- you know, before his injury. And he's, he's definitely just getting used to the speed of the NFL. Didn't play 
too much preseason. So, you know, I, I wouldn't imagine Brandon Parker is, is that much of a downgrade to Leatherwood at this point right now. But you want Leatherwood on a field to keep improving and keep acclimating to the speed of the NFL. There's your soundbite for the show right there. Brandon Parker, not Don't do it, Brian. Don't do first, it, Brian. First round pick, Alex Leatherwood. Ted Wynn. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this team's 2-0. They have beaten, like we said, two good, tough teams. What does this start do for our expectations this uh, of this team? How elevated should we get? I mean, you know, just as you, as you watch the TV all day, every time they get to the halftime shows, you hear somebody saying, you know, I'm really impressed with the Raiders. It might be an uncomfortable position for Raider fans to, to hear uh, a little national media hype, uh, but... I mean, I think after this start, uh, just kind of listening in on TV, uh, you know, the, the the talking heads today, I think people are pretty impressed with this team, and the expectations have probably been raised a little bit. Yeah, I'm like that, uh, like that Frank Caliendo uh, post on social media where you're, John Green just win. Let's see, what do we have here? Win, win, win. Look at the win. schedule. Win, win, win. I think they're going to go uh, long, undefeated for a long time. I'm totally on board. I picked them to be a, a winning team uh, already. So, I mean, I wouldn't say like my, like, I, I think nationally they were, like, I think we kind of talked about this. Like, people were pretty down on them. We saw a lot of four win, five win projections, six wins, something like that. But uh, I thought they'd be a winning team. So, it's, it's not, it wasn't unthinkable to me that they would get off to a good start. But, you know, maybe instead of nine wins, maybe now I think they'll get to 10 wins. But, I don't think it's drastically shifted for me. I, I always thought they'd be a, a team that's kind of in the hunt for that, that wild card kind of range of the spot. And so uh, I still kind of feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I think the difference is that their defense looks competent and they're not just relying on on Derek Carr to score, you know, a, a ton of points and win shootouts all, all the time. So I, I think that's the main difference that is really impressing people. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the Dolphins look like a really winnable game, especially if uh, Tua can't play and, Jacoby Brissett is starting. The Bills just shut them out. 
And, you know, if you start the season three, and zero against this, how the schedule looked like in the beginning of the season, that's, that's a great beginning for this, this Raider team. Win, 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 buy, win, win. Yeah. I mean, you look at the schedule, like you said, Dolphins next week at home. We don't know if Tua Tagovailoa is going to be available, but bruised ribs. He's getting an MRI on Monday. So, you know, doesn't sound great. Um, and Jacoby Brissett, but don't call him the backup. He doesn't see himself as a backup. He, he, he sees himself as a starter. Don't know if you saw any of his postgame comments, but uh, don't call him. A, he's not a backup, uh, just, just so you know. Then it's, you know, Monday night game uh, at L.A. against the Chargers. Uh, they lost today to the Cowboys. Um, you know, then, then Bears, Broncos. Eagles at home, Giants on the road. I mean, yeah, the, the schedule starts looking like one where they could get to like six and two kind of range. Six and two, yeah. Seven and oh at the bye week. Bye. I mean, they're going to go undefeated. We're just in the bye week. We'll have to reassess the bye week. But uh, I mean, in all seriousness, they do have a lot of confidence. They have winning games with the guys who are, you know, the depleted offensive line. No Josh Jacobs, which is a huge, a huge deal. If Josh can come back next week, that's a huge element for their offense to add. And he's, to my mind, he's a you know, great running back. I know he got mad because I wrote about they may not be uh, as eager with the contract extension with his injury and his durability issues, but um, still, he's a great player. And he's definitely, no one questions his toughness. So if he comes back, this offense can take another jump up and be even better once he gets back. Yeah, I think the big thing for them at this point is his health. I wrote about that tonight. I mean, if they can start get to, to get some of those guys back, like Incognito and Jacobs and you know, Kwiatkowski coming off con- concussion and, and Moreau at some point coming off of IRR. You know, if they can get healthy, you know, as the season goes on, that's been the issue. Like they've gotten, as we said, I mean, last year they started six and three, but as the season's waned, you know, it, I wouldn't necessarily say it was injuries in the last couple of years, but for various reasons, they've fallen off at the end of the season. And, they, and this year, the biggest threat to them doesn't seem to be, you know, the defense being terrible or the offense not living up to expectations. It seems to be health. So I think that's really the biggest thing moving forward you know, when it comes to their playoff hopes. Yeah, and just to go back to Jacobs coming back and making an impact. I mean, we we saw Kenyon Drake is making an impact as a receiver, but when he's just not anywhere near the inside runner that Jacobs is. You you know, you saw him try to push these runs out wide and losing yards, and you know, just doing things that you shouldn't do as a running back. And um, you know, Jacobs is just even though he's not getting much blocking, I think Jacobs will turn some of those negative two runs into three, you know, possibly three, four yard, yard gains, which is um, pretty impactful. Yeah. It seemed like Drake is a little bit hesitant going up the middle on uh, some of the, you know, he didn't carry the ball a ton, but it seemed like he's a little bit hesitant uh, when, uh, when they try those inside runs with him. I mean, and Barber didn't do very much, but you know, late in the game last, you know, he was able to, to get a couple uh, of decent runs to uh, at least help them uh, put this game away. He would at least stick his head down and just, run hard through the holes and, and pick up some of those tough yardage, which uh, Jacobs does. And when he gets into the backfield, I mean, the, the secondary, we know Jacobs can make guys miss. Yeah, I mean, again, this is why Derek Carr's start is so impressive because he has no run game right now. He's doing it all by himself. Him in the quick game is the the Raiders' um, running game as of right now. And with uh, 817 passing yards through two games, franchise record for uh, uh, for a Raiders quarterback through two games and the seventh most passing yards ever through uh, the first two weeks of the season. Uh, I mean, that's pretty impressive company for Derek Carr. Should be on uh, Ted's fantasy team. You have, Ted, you have Derek Carr on your fantasy team? No, I have, I have, I have Justin Herbert, so he, he let me down big time today. Why? <laughs> I, we, 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 told, we, we, we told him we don't care about his fantasy team, but then you're bringing it back up? Come on, Vic. Vic's asking a tough question. Sorry. I'm just answering. <laughs> 
I was being a smartass. Imagine that. Me being a smartass. Trying something new. All right, guys. I think that'll wrap up tonight's episode of State of the Nation. The Raiders get to 2-0 with a 26-17 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're heading back to Vegas. They're going to take on the Miami Dolphins next Sunday. Try to get to 3-0. and and we'll see if they can do it. Uh, they're, they're on a roll. They're uh, they're playing well. Their defense looks real. And uh, we'll see what they can do next week against Miami. Great job. All right. Talk to you guys later. Adios. Win, win, win. <laughs>